This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Let's pray. Lord God, as we gather for worship today, we ask that you pour your spirit out on us and reveal to us a secret that should not be a secret any longer. That you love all people unconditionally. Lord God, unify us around that truth. Unify us in that love and help us to love as you have loved. We pray this in the powerful and saving name of Jesus, the only one who can share that love with us and have that love permeate through us. Amen. One day when Andrew was about 13 months old, Jackie and I were standing up at the top of our stairs, stairs that led to the basement, And somehow or another, Andrew got in between us, around us, whatever it was. And the next thing we know, we can hear him falling down the cement steps all the way in to the basement. I go running down to get him. Jackie goes running to the phone to call 911. I pick up our screaming little boy, holding him close to my chest, my heart. As I'm going up the stairs, I can hear Jackie talking to the 911 operator, and I can already hear the siren coming as well. I'm holding my precious little boy. I go out front so there's no time wasted when the EMTs get there, right? And they are there in no time, and I'm holding on to this little boy, our firstborn, whom I love so much. And as those EMTs come out of the ambulance, before I hand over my precious son, my only son to them, I ask them the most important question, the question that any loving father would ask them, are you Republican or Democrat? (laughs) When there's an emergency, we suddenly get really clear on what is actually the most important thing. Love and life. Republican, Democrat, different parties, Understand that there is no political party whose values align completely with God's values. So then what are we to do as Christians? How are we to vote when the candidate that we like, that, that you know, not all of his or her values align with God's? How are we to have open and honest conversations about politics. This morning, 
we're gonna look at Jesus and what he says and, and what he does when there's a situation that arises of his allegiance to God and also politics and government. Today, we're continuing our series, Glad You Asked, that series that you helped form us. And today, the question, as Pastor Ben mentioned, is how do our Christian values and politics go together? So let's jump in right away. We're gonna jump into Matthew chapter 22, first book in the New Testament. The setting is Jesus is there, and there's two different groups of people there. One group is the Pharisees, okay? They're a religious group, but um, they've kind of tipped their, their way. They're playing kind of politics, if you will. They're not transparent, and they're really seeking out power for themselves. Okay? The other group is the Herodians. They are a Jewish group, but they've given up on faith and piety. They just want the favor and the power of the ruling Roman party. Okay? Those two groups don't like each other, the Pharisees and the Herodians. But it's been said that my enemy's enemy is my friend. Translated in this scenario, what that means is the, the Pharisees and the Herodians, they can't stand each other, but they hate Jesus even more. And so they form an alliance and they come up with what they are sure is an inescapable trap that they're gonna invite Jesus into. And this is what it looks like. They, the Pharisees, sent their disciples to him, Jesus, along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what's your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Here's why that's a trap. Because if Jesus says, pay the tax, the Pharisees are gonna go back to the religious people and go, see, he's a Roman sympathizer. He's given up on the faith. Don't follow him. But if he says, don't pay the tax, the Herodians are there and they're gonna go back to the Roman government and they're gonna go, look, that guy's a traitor and insurrectionist and a rebellious person, arrest him. Trapped. What do you think Jesus did? What would you do if that was you? Well, this is what Jesus did. He engaged them. He listened to them. He learned from them. And he loved them. And this is what that looked like. Jesus said, show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius and he asked them, 
whose image is this and whose inscriptions? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, okay. So give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. With this answer, he listened, he learned, he loved. He let you and me know, for those of us who are Christians living 2,000 years later, that as Christians, we're citizens of two different kingdoms. An earthly kingdom with the government in charge, and we're to follow the government, submit to their authority, respect them, pay taxes, always unless they're telling us to do something that directly goes against God. Because after all, we are citizens of that kingdom, God's kingdom of King Jesus. Our citizenship as Christians, the one that's gonna last is a citizenship in heaven. That's what Jesus taught. That's what the apostle Paul taught as well. And so when it comes to politics, Our Christian values of listening, learning, and loving are to take main stage. This wasn't the only interaction that Jesus had with political figures and the government. I'm just going to share just a, a couple more with you just so you know that it was very much a part of his life just as it is very much a part of our life. Jesus and a disciple now became a disciple named Matthew. When Jesus first met Matthew, Matthew was a tax collector. He was fleecing the people. He had the Roman guards right beside them as he extorted money from the people. And what does Jesus do? Jesus comes up. Matthew's got his hand in the cookie jar. And Jesus says, follow me. Jesus didn't say, Matthew, Get your act together and then come follow me. Matthew, right where you are, right where you're at, with who you are, come follow me. And what we learned just a little bit later is that Matthew has this big uh, party at his house and Jesus is there and all these other people from all these different backgrounds are there and Matthew follows Jesus, quits being a tax collector and follows Jesus, becomes a disciple. And there's another account too, among others, again, Zacchaeus. Uh, Maybe some of you will remember Zacchaeus, that, that wee little man, the little guy with the really big bank account. He heard that Jesus was coming into town, so he climbed up that fig tree. And what did Jesus do? He engaged. Zacchaeus, man, I see you up there. Come on down, I I need to eat at your place. And they get together and they eat and Jesus listens, learns and loves. And and the next thing you know, Zacchaeus is still a tax collector, but he's paid back and more all that he has stolen. See, Jesus was most concerned about Matthew's soul and Zacchaeus' soul. That was the most important thing. Jesus didn't go to him, you need to change the tax laws. He was concerned about the most important thing, their souls. 
And that brings us to today, okay? And, and because we, we mentioned politics, right? And some of you knew that it was, we we're gonna talk about politics today. We all have a part in, in, of our body that uh, activates the fight flight and freeze part of our bodies. And for all of us to one degree or another, that baby's going off right now. And we're anxious and we're concerned. We're defensive. We're ready to jump on the wagon and all those things. I want you to know right up front, and some of you maybe will like it, maybe some of you won't, I don't know, that I will not be telling you who to vote for, or what political party to be a part of. Neither will Pastor Ben. That's not our calling. Our calling is to take care of and watch over your souls. If victory were to align itself with a political party, it would alienate everyone else. And you know that because if we aligned ourselves with a different political party than you support, you would be really upset. If we aligned ourselves with a political party, we would alienate people for whom Jesus lived and died for. Their souls, the most important thing. So for all of us, and I mean all of us, no matter who we are, including myself, my hope is that by the time we're through today, that you and I, that our number one allegiance, our number one allegiance will be to King Jesus. Okay, Not just our Savior Jesus, but our King Jesus. Jesus, who was really clear when he said, and I quote, my kingdom is not of this world. Okay? So maybe just a, another way of saying that for, for those of us who are, are Christians, right? When we die, we'll not be going to Washington, D.C., uh, we will not be going to Camp David or Florida or Delaware or anywhere like that. Citizenship is in heaven. Okay. So let's have a little bit of fun. I'm going to um, give you kind of like a fill in the blank thing uh, with answers. And just you can just keep the answer to yourself for now anyway. Okay. So I am a, a Democrat. B, a Republican. C, a Libertarian. D, an Independent. E, other. F, Christian. Right? Again, we could have had even more fun with that, right? <laughs> I could have said, for those of you worshiping online, put what political party you support in in the chat room and be sure it's the right color. And for those of us here at the ministry center, I could say, okay, let's, let's divide it up. Republicans, you know you belong on the right, so go to the right. 
Democrats, you know, you belong on the left, so go to the left, and then we put everybody, you know, wherever they're at. And again, we, we could have some fun with that, in all honesty, because what I could do is we could be all divided up all across the room, whatever that division would look like, and I could put a cross here in the middle and say this cross represents Jesus. And as Christians then, for whoever you are, I want you to get as close as you can to Jesus. And wherever we were at in the room, the closer we would get to Jesus, the closer we would actually get to one another. So important. Closer we are to Jesus. Closer we'll be to one another. See, as, as some of you know, not all Republicans are Christian. As some of you know, not all Democrats are Christians. What happens as Christians when we align ourselves with a political party and make our political party the Christian political party, it makes for a party of problems all across the board. See, if you, if you look at history, political parties come and go. Their platforms change. Any number of us here right now worshiping online, we know how the party that we support, how that platform has changed throughout the years. But Jesus never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Jesus is love, and Jesus is perfect love, and perfect love drives out fear. And as you know, our pol- current political situation in our country is really all about fear. Because if that other party wins, if the other candidate wins, our country is going to pot or somewhere worse. Each party is saying that we're the only hope for the people. when actually Jesus is the only hope. Brady Shear, he owns Pro Church Tools. He was, I was listening to a, one of his broadcasts here this past week, and he, he was talking about a, a Pew Research study. It's from 2019. And it was a study on Twitter, and what it said was 97% of the extreme political views on Twitter came from only 10% of the people, okay? So 10% of the people, say 5% on the far left, 5% on the far right, were responsible for 97% of the extreme rhetoric on politics. 
In a more recent study, again, listen to a podcast this past week, Chris Bale, he is a professor at Duke University, a social scientist, him and his team, they came and again, they, they studied Twitter and what they found out was that 76% of all extreme views, not just politics, but 76% of all extreme views expressed on Twitter came from only 6% of the people. Here's why that's important. Because we all lean at least a little bit to the left or to the right or to the front or the back. And when we see these extreme views, if that's ours, we're kind of inclined to go that way. And if it's someone else's, we're inclined to push back against that. And what ends up happening is it becomes us against them. And I want you to know, us against them is the exact opposite of what Jesus came to do and be and is about. Here's what happens when we get motivated by fear so that our side has to win. There becomes a lot of stereotyping, a lot of judgmentalism, and a lot of demonizing. Christians start to expect that people who are not Christians will suddenly act like Christians. That doesn't happen. Sometimes as Christians, we don't act like Christians. When it's about fear and we've got to win, statements like all Republicans are all Democrats, are used. And those are inaccurate. Okay. For example, and some of you know this, right? All Democrats are not anti-church and anti-God and anti-family. And not all Republicans are anti-voting rights and anti-women and bigots and racists. When it becomes about fear and, and winning, Christians will be suspect of one another without ever even listening to the other person. We'll say things, and, and I've said this, okay? I said, I don't understand how anyone can believe that. I get that. But you know what the problem is when, when I don't understand the problem's me. I've got the weakness I don't understand. I need to go and listen and learn and love. Alexander Solzhenitsyn said, everything that disturbs you about someone else is inside of you and me as well. The upside-down kingdom of King Jesus, man, the win, the win is listening, learning, 
and loving. So we had in our confession of, of sins today, Jesus tells us, love one another. And he went on and he explained what that would look like a little bit more. He said, love one another as I have loved you. And he's actually going to carry it on a, a little bit further. And he said, love one another as I have loved you, because by this, all people will know you are Democrats if you love one another. Oh, he didn't do that, did he? He didn't say, you know, love one another as I loved you, because by this, all people will know you are Republicans if you love one another. I said, love one another as I have loved you, because by this, all people will know you are my disciples, that you are followers of me if you love one another. So the people in your home, the, the people at your place of work, your, your, the people at your, the places you hang out, do they know your political party? Do they know, more importantly, that you're a disciple of your King and your Savior, Jesus Christ? Love one another as I have loved you. So all people know my you're my disciples if you love one another. See, love is, is not just a word. Love's not just an emotion. It's an action. On the night that, that Jesus gave that command to, to love one another as I have loved you, he put it into action. He put that love into action. Remember how he put that love into action? He served his disciples. He served the people. He went around. He got so close to them. He was so intimate with them that he was washing their feet. Okay. Imagine how close you get to one another, washing each other's feet. So close that he washed their feet. Even the feet of the guy, the disciple who would betray him. The guy who was so far away even washed his feet. He washed the feet of the disciple who would deny him three times before the morning sun. He washed the feet. He got so close. He washed all the feet of all the disciples, even though they would all run away and leave him alone in his greatest hour of need. You're on your own, Jesus. Not here. Love of Jesus is, is loving unconditionally. Loving people no matter what they've done in the past, what they're doing now, or what they will do. I personally need that kind of love. Someone would love me. 
even though what I've done, I've done. Even though I mess up today. And even though I'll mess up in the future. I need that kind of love. You need that kind of love. And that's what Jesus offers you. Free. And when you and I receive that kind of love, when we receive that love of Jesus, you know what we do? We start serving and no longer remaining separate. We start loving instead of demonizing. We start praying for people instead of publicly criticizing It's so important. It's the heartbeat of Jesus. It's the heartbeat of his church. The heartbeat of his disciples. Russell Moore's a, a Christian theologian and he lets us in again on, on a little bit about how important it is that we carry out the words of Jesus. That we don't just know the words of Jesus, but that we actually do them. It says, we now see young evangelicals, young Christians, walking away from the church, not because they do not believe what the church teaches, what Jesus teaches, but because they believe that the church itself doesn't believe what the church teaches. And so today, sometimes, you see that some people are more concerned that their children, their, their family members would align themselves with a certain political party. They're more concerned about that than whether that family member is living in sin or is making worship a regular part of their lives. The enemy of the church isn't any political party. It's division. And that's why Jesus prays for unity in John chapter 17. See, the, the truth is we can all disagree politically, but we can still love unconditionally. Keep in mind, everyone is trying their best. There's no one who's aligned themselves with a political party going, I'm aligning myself with this political party so that I can make a mess out of my life and everyone else's. Everyone is trying their best. So Christian values come into play in every every aspect of our lives, including politics. Because the most important thing is at stake. Someone's eternal soul. The greatest issue of our day is the great commandment to love God 
and love others, just like Jesus loved us. Listen, learn, and love. And I know that love seems weak, okay? That, that we're afraid, we're, we're gonna get taken advantage of, you might say, if we love, right? And I think you're probably right. Probably will get taken advantage of. The same way we've taken advantage of Jesus and his grace. But if love is so weak, why are we still following Jesus today 2,000 years later? If love is so weak, why are we guaranteed eternal life in heaven? Love, as Jesus is loved. Love doesn't burn bridges. Love builds bridges. Love connects us so that we get so close to each other that we could wash one another's feet. Love connects us so close to one another that we carry each other's burdens. And you know what happens when we carry each other's burdens? We see that the things that separate us, they actually begin to fade away. And the thing that unites us becomes more apparent. And then what happens is everyone sees Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, we ask that you would use your word to guide our hearts and minds in pure devotion to you. That we would live our lives in grace and in truth. And that when other people see us, they would see what you're really like. Lord Jesus, you are our savior and you are our loving king. Hold us close to you all of our days and into eternity. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.